Hello everyone, this is Jadi and this is the Cafecito Time con Jadi podcast show and thank you for tuning in. I've been in my A. Um, not because of something going wrong with me. I've actually been pretty good. <laughs> um, I've just been very focused on like personal stuff and like um, just trying to get back into like my mindset, right? Because winter just came it just um like left and um it's when springtime um winter was very hard for me it was a very hard period um during winter i was finishing up my bachelor's um i was also um working a lot um and you know it's just like the holiday season and it's just gives me the blues a lot but it also um the holiday season also um it just I don't know it just gives me the blues a lot <laughs> that's all I can say right now but the winter months it makes me even it, it makes it even worse January was a very tough month for me I'm not gonna lie and then February was even tougher um I think I mentioned this well, not quite. I wasn't very clear on my Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, it is at, at jollyv, um, five underscores. Um, but I had a quarantine. I did not have um, COVID, but there was people that was around me that had. So I had, I had a quarantine. And that was very, that was a very traumatic and experience. Because, and not because of the COVID situation. Because I'll be quite honest, I'm not... I'm cautious, but I'm not necessarily scared about COVID. Um, but it was very traumatizing because I had a quarantine. I had to be away from everybody. And um, I don't do very well with that. And when you quarantine, when you're in isolation, solidarity, um, is is not good for your mental health. I don't care what nobody tells me. There's some parts of it when you're just completely alone. Like, it is not good for your mental health. But I'll tell you this. Um, that I do like to be alone. Like, I, I, actually, I actually enjoy my own company. But I also need a social interaction. So it's just me trying to, like, balance that. Because I know that we everybody, we cannot all go be back together. But we need to have some type of normalcy. So, yeah, that's that. And then I just do not like the winter months at all. But it's over. Now we're in spring. And I want to be outside. And, you know, and then I'm just, you know, working on some personal stuff and other things. And and that's that. And then I recently just interviewed Jessica. She is the founder of Hell Knows Beauty. Um, I started following Jessica, like, in 2018. Um... And I really started getting real more, even more acquainted with her in 2019. Um, I love what she posts. I love the content that she shares. And she shares a lot of information. She's very knowledgeable about um, what, she, what she knows. Um, I interview her because I feel like she has, she's very, she has a gift. Well, I mean, we all got gifts. And, um... But I really wanted to um focus. I really wanted to interview her. I really wanted her. I really wanted her to come on my show, 
and um, share her knowledge with you guys and just share who she is because I feel like people need to know more about her. Like what she shares is stuff that we need to learn more of. Um, And I interviewed her just recently and what better way to interview someone that like Jessica in the springtime. So here's my interview with Jessica. Thank you, Jessica, for saying yes to this because I I really appreciate it. I've been following you since 2018, my Um, And then I really started, like, when I started going to Spiritually Sparkle, I started, um like, hearing more about you. So I started following you even more. And then your content, I love your content that you always post. And you always and you share so much information that is like valuable, and at least or at least it's valuable to me. Um, so I really and I really love what you do, and then what you're doing to like the community. But if you want to introduce yourself to our audience, tell us who you are you. and what do you do. Thank you, and the same here. You know, with you, I've been writing since on my blog since 2010, way before that, in notebooks and things like that. Um, but in 2001, 2002, I started noticing how I was getting into a lot of different topics and subjects. Now, when I was 15, 14 in junior high and high school, I gravitated toward a lot of herbal books, herbal medicine. So I've always been interested in these things, but I never knew or understood why, why, why I was attracted to it. I didn't have any point of reference or anyone, you know, closely in my family or people in the neighborhood or or friends. So I didn't really have that connection that someone inspired me or that I looked up to someone that was doing that. It was just something that I was just attracted to, pulling books of herbal medicine, of Chinese medicine, energy medicine, all different types of things. And then, you know, over time, I would journal about it, research and look into it. Um, And then I thought one day, maybe I should do a blog, but I didn't know what type of blog I wanted to do because back then spirituality and and things you know rituals were kind of still in the dark it was in the perimeter but still in the dark ages in terms of people you know understanding what it was without having that negative association that is devil work or witchcraft or witches and things like that so I always wanted to keep it neutral yeah Uh, so that's when I started Hell Notes. Hell Notes stands for uh, the Chinese joss paper that they burned for the ancestors during ancestral rituals, predominantly during the Chinese New Year, because the Chinese culture, spirituality is always around abundance and money and progress and opportunities. So I thought it would be interesting to incorporate an element of the ancestors and of, of the spiritual work, if you will, and then also beauty. So I started Hell Notes for Beauty, really focusing on natural healthcare. Um, so I started off with that. And then I started into, you know, writing a little bit more about natural medicine, what I was learning and picking up from what I was studying, but also incorporating natural remedies for the hair, for curls, for straight hair, how to grow your hair, scalp massages, oils, different types of products. So so a conglomerate of so many different things. Um, around that time, I was also becoming an espiritista, learning about espiritismo, um, also into the Orisha tradition as well, Santeria or Lukumi or the Yoruba tradition as I progressed uh, throughout the year. So, you know, I've been, I've been pretty much dabbling into a few things here and there, trying to find myself. 
Yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, I'm uh, very versatile in very different aspects in the corporate world, in medicine, in blogging, or whatever it's called now, influencing writing and blogging and writing. And so all of that has always been such a big part of me, but that's that's pretty much my, my background. I grew up in Brooklyn, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, New York. Um, moved out to Pennsylvania for a much more easier living and, and cheaper cost of life. And so, you know, I've been able in the past 10 years to really grow on the, in the digital space um, and connecting with people a lot. So, so yeah, that's pretty much my, my background. Do you think moving to Pennsylvania was much easier for you for like your like mental and spiritual health? Oh, absolutely. One of the first things I realized was my sinuses. Like I can breathe better. My sinus congestion went away. Um, I wasn't as stressed, you know, with the everyday commute to work. You know, I was able to have my own car, less traffic, of course. Um, the cost of living, just, you know, rent at the time of, or being able to purchase a home, um, you know, having my own car and vehicle. It was just much easier. Also the work, there's a lot of ample work or there's not that much competition um, as you would. Me being a city girl coming from New York, I had a lot of that savviness. I'm quick, think quicker on my feet. So you go to these different companies and you bring your attributes. They kind of see that, oh, it's a little bit different. So there's a lot of different opportunities. I still visit New York regularly because my family still lives in Brooklyn. Um, but every two weeks or once a month, I go out there, I go eat, I shop, you know, party, spend the weekend. And I come back, like I said, to my boondocks back here. <laughs> so I have, you know, that two to three hour difference is a, is a long trip. But, you know, it, it's nothing that I'm across the country or it takes me hours of flights to get over. I'm able to make it to events, visit family, friends and so forth. But, yeah, I did find a lot of difference and growth in my personal space. Um, being able to move out here a little bit um, and, and kind of live, leaving that very high stress city life behind. Yeah. So since we're still on the topic of health, do you think that um, do you think that like stress and everything that pre-pandemic that we all went through um, contributes to a lot of like um, the illnesses that's going on, like cancer and all of that? Yes. I mean, if pre-pandemic, how we were living, you know, was just like, we've always been living, you know, cancer has always been a thing. Um, I was looking at a study that in 2019, how many people were affected with um, tuberculosis, which is also a, a different type of respiratory um, illness, but the numbers were just as high um, and also could be considered a pandemic if you look at the numbers. But I guess, you know, it, it wasn't as, I guess that's where people got a lot of the, where's this coming from? You know, there's much more worse illnesses out there, whatever the case may be, but all illnesses are serious matters. You know, they're not one is less than the other, um, but it was just so interesting to see how the shift in, in health was so, so predominant regardless of what the illness was about. But I think with people seeing the media talk about it and the politicalness around it and so many conspiracies around it and just so much, so much information for people to want to try to, okay, compartmentalize it and apply it to themselves. But looking at, you know, illnesses such as cancer, it takes people every day, even to this day. After the pandemic, a year and a half, tuberculosis, as we mentioned, fibroids, 
um, a whole host of autoimmune diseases, which actually stress, I was looking into that. I realized in, during the pandemic, I had a lot of time to study and look into things. I came across um, the CDC and the Kaiser Permanente um, trauma-based um, study that they had. And actually my highlights on IG, um, I have it saved. I also did a live on it just to talk about how trauma and stress affects um, the immune system and affects a lot of um, the health ailments that we as adults come across. So the study really um, had a series of questions I was asking people, you know, before the age of 18, what type of childhood traumas did they experience, whether physical abuse, mental abuse, um, sexual abuse, um, an incarceration of a parent, um, so many different also socioeconomic factors as well. So all of this coupled with stress for children um, it really showed how a lot of the stress that we contain as children, whether it be uh, traumatic experiences personally or directly or the people around us who are our caretakers, our parents were experiencing and how a lot of those stresses kind of stays in the body and, and progresses and develops into physical health, serious health ailments um, as adults. Yeah. Um, one of them being asthma. Asthma was some uh, interesting study that they had done as well, how stress was contributed to high uh, cortisol, which is a, the stress hormone that we produce when we are under stress. If you look at the nebulizer or the type of medicines that the hospitals give is a cortisol kind of based medicine as well, Yeah, which is, you know, an anti-inflammatory, which is, so you, they were giving people stress hormones to combat the stress that was causing the asthma. So it wasn't just environmental that they were smoking. It wasn't just that, you know, there, there were poor conditions in the home, such as leaks, or, or, you know, roach infestation or rats or whatever the case may be. But it was also related to a lot of emotional factors as well that was leading to high cases of asthma. Um, one of Nadine Burke, one of the doctors who also did studies based on um, the childhood is called the ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, yeah. which is such an important study, mind-blowing, uh, such eye-opening um, study. And they, they, they observed how, you know, not only just the environmental factors, but also the emotional factors that some children um, dealt with that now they're starting to see a lot of the illnesses develop into health ailments that we've all contributed to age. You know, yes, it has a lot to do with um, the food we eat, the, the lifestyle that we have, very high stress, but also the unresolved traumas that we've grown with. Um, yeah. There's a good book called The Body Keeps the Score, oh, which that's my favorite book. Yes, trauma. So this year was really, uh, and starting in January was really eye-opening for me as to making that correlation with stress and health issues. And also my study as becoming a holistic health practitioner um, really like led me to say, this is the glue. This is what holistic medicine is truly about. Yeah, you can do the yoga you can do the exercises, you can eat the foods, you can do all these different things. But if you're emotionally having dealt with what you're dealing with, it's still going to progress and, and, and manifest itself in a physical disease and physical yeah. ailment. So 
that's that's what I think really has a lot to do with with this current pandemic and how we're not seeing the correlations of the things that we've been through pre-pandemic and how now it's it's showing up in 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 these times now. Do you think that this pandemic, well, first of all, how has this pandemic pandemic been for you? Like, has it been like just like revelations have come to you or just it's just been like a normal thing? I, I always joke around because I, I don't, I, I always used to say, I don't like to say the quarantine, but I always live like this retreat lifestyle. <laughs> uh, Queen of Four said, don't mention quarantine because you give it a, a sickly type of thing. I'm, I'm a homebody and I'm a creature, I'm a creature of habit. I like to be home. Yeah, I like to go to one or two places where I feel very like, there was a point in time I was like, okay, now like I, I want to go to New York or I want to head out here or travel. So really for me, it didn't impact me too much because although I am social on social media, I, I don't, you know, really mix too much with people on a regular basis. One, because I live out here and a lot of my friends and family and connections and people I network with are in New York, but I don't travel that much. And just, I've always been, you know, that kind of one-on-one -on -one person because I'm an empath. I feel things a lot. Um, and it took me a lot to really... Uh, you know, connect with people, but without me feeling anxious or feeling depressed or feeling whatever feelings they had. So as an adult, I learned how to grow with that and not be so apprehensive with people. So I can be very, very social, but, you know, I, I think for me, it helped me slow down a little bit more because my corporate career and job uh, operations manager for a big construction company and with state projects and contracts, it was just a lot. Like it was just like a lot of the hustle and bustle, like waking up every day at six in the morning, making breakfast, doing this, you know, working and then thinking of my side hustle, you know, my job and, you know, the other things that I was studying, um, my shop and so, so many things. It was just like accumulating. For me, it was just like a slowdown, like the world slowed down, everything slowed down. And it was just like coming back to basics. I think, you know, personally for me, despite everything that has happened, um, it has been one of the best things that could have happened to me and for me. Mm -hmm. I sleep more, I'm working from home more, I cook more from home. Um, I've been able to, to really see health from, with a greater lens. Um, is global now, but some people, you know, they, they still don't get the point. They're still intermingling what's going on with conspiracy theories and op opinions and politicalness and judgment. And if you get the vaccine or if you don't, and, and I think the bigger picture that a lot of people are missing is that we need preventative measures. So when these things do come about, we don't want to just cure it right away with just a vaccine. And I'm not saying that vaccine is bad or anything. I'm just saying that look at the progression of things. Um, our Western medicine really doesn't focus on preventative measures. It's no, just sick, oh, here's a pill, here's this, as opposed to getting to the root of things. Our culture really isn't about, you know, maintenance or keeping preventative medicine at bay. It's just, oh, I'm sick, oh, well, now we take care of her, now we'll take, we'll take it serious. But now it's already too late, you know? It's a little bit too late, yes. A lot of organs regenerate, a lot of things can be healed, but that takes time. You know, that takes time and, yeah. and patience and understanding. So for me, I was able to really take a step back and again, just sleep more, 
be around family a little bit more ingrained where not everyone is out and about doing something this so it's been a it's been a it's been a very interesting transition for me but as far as the social aspect it really didn't affect me you know because I still do everything how I always done the only difference is that keeping the corporation alive you know having me be there all the time um has been been a lot different um, you know, with co-workers and, and working and being present. But I always say it's not the work, it's just the actual work that it takes you to get to yeah. work. You know? And you're stressed, you're tired, and you're not inspired to do things, you're burnt out. So it's been been a mix of things, but I've been very grateful that a lot of things have fallen into place for me to really come back to my basics and really come back to myself and really honor the slow pace, the slow pace of life, you know? which can be yeah. very stressful. Yes, and, and then stress definitely brings in, like, I feel like stress is, a, is, a, is part of cause of, like, illnesses. But to answer, to go back to, like, that, like, the health part, like, I remember, like, when my sister was younger, my, the doctor told her, to my mom, that, oh, that she might have a little asthma. My mom was not having this. So, ella fue pasando domingo. And in DR, you know, they do, they figured out a way to just cure anything. So someone le preparó como una botella. I forgot the ingredients, but, because she, she told me once, but I forgot. But I remember que la señora le preparó una botella for my sister to drink it. And my sister, young, like, she still, she drank, like, it's like a, it's like a remedy. Y después como que es a little, like, little asthma that the doctors found, like, it was gone. So I feel like there, there are natural ways that you could cure any type of illness. I just think that Western yes, yes. medicine is just like all fucked up. Like I don't even think they even know. Yeah, what because do. there's no there's no profit in the cure, you know. And those countries and third world countries is in their best interest to cure that because there's no way that they can afford yep. a treatment for years, um, or that they have you know the ability to afford to have access to all these medicines which are chemically based. Yeah, and created in labs. A lot of them are derived from herbs and natural things, but there's always that that component which is chemically based and is not conducive to, to healing or to bettering your system. It's just, you know, the medicine of now is just profit and there's companies involved and this it's about the bottom line. That's yeah. truly what it is. No interest in, in curing or having a healthy society, you know? Yeah. Even when I go to DR, like, um, like my grandmother and my dad, they always preparan como una botella de like, um, of like anemia, cause I'm anemic. And every time I drink and I go over there, I feel so much better. Like over there, they'll, they'll cure it. But here it's like, I'm always sick. I'm always struggling. And the right. oil iron pills don't work well on me cause I get panic attacks. So mm. I don't, I can't, so it's like, I got to figure out other ways. So right now I'm like, I've, I've had to go to an alternative um, medicine because Western right. medicine is just like not helping me. Right yeah, and that's interesting because right now I'm, I'm doing a, a study because I want to do a blog post on anemia. Yeah. I want to do like the ABCs of, of illnesses and how to treat them. And anemia is, of course, A, one of the first starters. But looking at anemia really is just a lack of oxygen in the blood cells in order yeah. for them to communicate. And the blood cells are in everything, in the part of the brain, in the heart, in every major organ. So when there isn't enough oxygen being transmitted, you know, it's not just iron. Iron is just one of the components. It could be that you also need copper, that you also need magnesium, that you need um, to breathe, just to simply breathe, because that's what yeah. oxygen is. 
you simply just need to oxygenate your cells. So anemia has so many different types of symptoms or side effects because it's really affecting all the systems of the body. Um, so when you get that type of remedy, it, it includes all those components that'll help those blood cells not only multiply, but also oxygenate the rest of the systems of the body. But once we you know, come back here to the stress, we're not breathing deeply, we don't have time for it to breathe or take time to meditate, or we just are always in it. So it's the environment as well, but what we're eating, what we're used to eating and and a lot of the things that we eat is emotionally based, you know, yeah. based on how I'm feeling or how I'm not feeling, or, you know, I need a coffee to pick me up, but then you crash again. So there's so many th things, you know, with, with anemia and th those types of um, diseases that aren't, not that they aren't serious, but that they can be, you know, balanced out and helped out with proper understanding and knowledge of what it is because a lot of people immediately go to iron but too much iron can cause an imbalance in one area because it's de depleting the magnesium or the copper so there's definitely a lot of different ways to to mitigate a lot of the illnesses that we deal with that we're so used to but it's just the treatments that they continue to give there's no alternative it's just all oh, take iron and that's it but there's still some things that are, are lacking and missing, especially in the biological sense of how we know how these, you know, vitamins, minerals, and nutrients are so vital yeah. to, to a lot of the functions of the body, which is such an intelligent, you know, mechanism. The body is so intelligent. Just looking at anatomy and physiology, you're just like, wow, I can't, it's just so amazing how our bodies are able to function. And, and even despite the lack of nutrition, how we burn it out, it still functions yeah. to, to the best of ability. It's just when we get to the point of, that's it, there's no more, we come into a debilitated state, but there's an ability to rejuvenate ourselves before we get to that point of no return. That is very true. Um, and so it's also like, I've been researching a lot about women's health, especially like with periods since I have issues, um, because I've been to five doctors. Five GYN doctors, and they all tell me that is that I, that is normal what I'm going through. After my fifth doctor, I had to go. I had to check the alternative medicine because it's not because they'll 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 just give you like a like like a bandage, like oh just take birth control pills and you'll be fine. I'm like no, one size fits all type of approach. Yeah. When everyone is so holistically different, mind, body, and and soul and spirit, because spirits will animate you, but also your soul. I know the topic that we were going to talk about is how uh, the spirituality and health it, it intertwines with the physical, which is so interesting, that topic, because it's a topic that isn't talked about too much. Yeah. Um, but spirituality has a lot to do, you know, with physical ailments. Like, for example, as an espiritista, one of the things that I see in people and other mediums as well is the auric system. We have so many different layers of our aura and, and what's called our energy field. And so we have the ethereal realm, we have the emotional, the physical and so forth. Yeah. And we forget that we are energetic beings. We are electrified. We need electrical, the, what electrifies us, the sun, the vitamin D and all these things. But a lot of the emotional trauma that we experience and as spiritualists, um, 
we see that a lot, some, a lot of health ailments also has to do with the spirit realm as well. Now, as I say, as above, so below, um, but there are entities that attach to us, whether it be if we went to a hospital or we were at a house or we pick up types, different types of energies and emotions. And when we don't have ways of releasing these things, whether it be journaling, meditating, um, do any sort of rituals, cleansings, or purifications, Reiki, you know, so many different ener energy modalities of healing that we can use that we don't use, it just becomes congested in us. And a lot of those things are emotionally based. Like, for example, I know depression is such a, a sticky topic for most people because a lot of people get defensive or they feel offended or they feel misunderstood. Um, but in the spiritual realm and the Yoruba tradition, that that depressive type of energy is related to an entity. Um, even in Greek mythology, you know, depression and misery and things like that, they all have their types of goddesses or gods or a portal of energy, if you will, that identify themselves with this type of a way of being. Um, so for certain people, depression could be a state of you know, mental health issues that, you know, the ODE, you know, what guides us, what is in our crown, our crown chakra is out of place. There's something wrong. There's something missing. So typically you'll do rituals for that. There'll be prayers. There'll be baths. There'll be um, spiritual readings and consultations to see what is the root of, you know, whatever health ailment you're having. Is it physical or is it spiritual? Sometimes you can go to a doctor and they, they have no clue or idea of what's going on. They can't diagnose the person. Nope. So a lot of people will go to the local brujos or brujas or curanderos or curanderas to find out, you know, what, what could be causing this? Yes, it could be a physical ailment. Maybe you're not eating well, but there's more often times than not, especially recently where you see a lot of that spiritual disconnect going on. As some people would say, like a uh, spiritual connection gone wrong, you know, where these, 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 there's a disconnect in the spiritual connection of who we are with our ancestors, where we came from, connection with the food we eat, the water we consume. So there's that spiritual disconnect that manifests itself into inability to think straight, feeling depressed or unworthy, um, mind fog, you know, there's so symptoms, anger. Um, there's so many different things that people, you know, say, oh, well, they're schizophrenic or they're this or that, but there are just different levels of entities that have attached to people. Now, if you look at the word identity, you have ID and entity where someone identifies with that entity. So just a word in itself, you can see, that's why I always say words are like spells or magic spells because they all have the answer within, within the word and its definition, if you yeah. take a moment to really break it down and what it means to you. So when you identify and you take on, oh, well, I have this illness, or I have this, or I am this, then you're, you're identifying with it, you're taking this on as a role, as a title. And then some people stay stuck on that because that's yeah. all they know. That's all that gets them uh, some sort of attention and not to say oh their attention because they want to be heard or seen but these are people that haven't been heard or seen 
where whatever trauma or issue that may have occurred to them, they didn't have the opportunity to have someone to talk to. They didn't have the opportunity to express what happened to them. And so they stay stuck in that victim type of, of stance where it's difficult for them to be victorious and move on and forward and not claim something. Because it's about the claiming aspect yeah. of it. This is where neuroplasticity comes about. Um, this is where epigenetics comes about where you are able to yourself rewire your own health, your own mind, your own environment by just your thoughts. And a lot of the things that we feel, whether it be in the mental health field or general diseases has a lot to do with what we believe and how we feel of ourselves and the inability to heal ourselves by just simple forgiveness, by simple compassion for ourselves, understanding. And so there's so many different components from a spiritual and physical sense that, um, you know, an espiritista or a priestess or anyone who practices any sort of spiritual following or tradition should be aware of that there's always that, that fine line between things, you know, and that's what holistic medicine really is about encompassing everything. What happened to you? What were your emotions? What were you feeling? When did you first start feeling this? When did you start first start getting sick? Like a lot of women that I work with now in my holistic evaluation, um, they deal with autoimmune issues. Um, and the autoimmune issues is very prevalent in women because we're the primary caretakers. You know, we're the primary caretakers of ourselves, children, careers, society, so many different things yep. that we don't cater to ourselves at 100%. We're always worrying about this person. You have to be a mother, a daughter, a lover, a friend, an employee, but when are you for you? And so a lot of women are being depleted because they give so much of themselves that they don't rejuvenate themselves. They don't give themselves that space to be out of the stress mode. So this is where a lot of autoimmune issues are coming about, especially predominantly for women. Um, joint issues, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. I had lupus rheumatoid arthritis and children's disease back in 2014 what? that was during a very stressful and difficult time of my life very my mom is currently dealing with an illness and at that time it was progressing my siblings were kind of we were all having issues with who my mom primary caretaker was going to be you know my partner was going through his own thing his own personal growth and growing pains you know, I just started a new career in the corporate world and wanted to just go up the corporate ladder and be successful. So I had all this stress consuming me. And then I also was, you know, becoming an Orisha priestess and finding the funds for that and connecting and doing the rich. So my life was just completely consumed with being everything for everyone else that my body started to deteriorate. I wasn't sleeping well, I wasn't eating well, um, I wasn't doing anything that I was learning with herbs or, you know, working out or doing, doing things to help myself. I really wasn't doing, I was just focused okay. on everything and the stress that came with that. And so it was very traumatic for me. So when I started, my skin started to, to break out, my hands started to break, I couldn't touch anything, it was like fire. It, it, the symptoms of the autoimmune disease was just overtaking me. So then suddenly I just took two weeks off. I went to my initiation, processed my initiation, went through that. 
and I took two more weeks. I had a whole month off and then my symptoms started to clear. I went about a few months later back to the doctor. They couldn't find any traces of, of blood levels that were showing the autoimmune issue or disease. So I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Joel Dispenza, but he talks about the spontaneous remission. And for me, going through that initiation and connecting it with my spiritual growth, I went through some spontaneous remission where all my, everything, the symptoms just went away because my mind was completely rewired. Yeah. Uh, I always tell people that there's, we don't have rites of passages. Yeah, we have the quinceañera, that's probably a rite of passage, but you know, for the Jewish community, they have, you know, weddings or the bar mitzvah, age of 13. For our young boys in our community, they have prison or getting shot. That's like their rite of passage. So we don't have that rite of passage where we transition into someone new. Yeah. Or have a, a process where we transition into someone new. For me, my initiation was a rebirth for me to renew. That was something that I went through that helped shift my mindset yeah. and become a different person. But you know, health is very much related to to our spiritual growth and our connection, and is very much energy based. The people we're around, the the feelings that we have, the thought forms that we create they really become us. And the more we feed into things and believe that something is us, the more it will become us and we will display those types of symptoms or manifestations. So what do you think about, you think that affirmations and mantras are like positive, like healthy habits for your spiritualities and your health? They could be. The thing is that a lot of people, you see, you can repeat the mantra, but if you don't believe it, you know, it's not going to be any good. Some people may say, yeah, I am worthy, but yeah, I am worthy. I am worthy. But if you don't feel worthy because there's something from the past that you haven't forgiven someone or something you haven't come to terms with, or you haven't gotten closure with, then you're not going to believe that affirmation. You got to believe it. You have to see it. You know, you have to envision it, visualize it and really embody it. You have to believe your affirmations. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. They repeat these affirmations, but they don't really have it broken it down. What does it mean to them? Why this affirmation? What is it needed for? What are the results that you're expecting of the affirmation? So affirmations are great because they're part of repetition. And you know the way to program yourself is through symbols, trauma, rites of passages, or repetition. And the way you can program yourself is through repetition. Yes, but that repetition is not just saying, it is feeling it, feeling yep. the vibration of what you're saying, but more importantly, believing it. Yeah. You have to believe, you know? And a lot of those issues that we come into disconnect with our intuition is because of the trauma that we haven't resolved that are related to our shadow, our shadow self, the aspect of ourselves that we don't want others to see, whether it be anger, envy, jealousy, um, anger, resentment, so many of those dark emotions that we don't like to display because we're embarrassed, but yeah, part of us, um, you know, it's part of who we are and what makes us human and what makes us people. And, and it has a lot to do with our growth. But if you don't believe the affirmation, if you don't believe the ritual, you can be lighting a candle, but if you have doubt or you just don't believe these affirmations won't, won't be of, of any use. I mean, I do them 
I follow them, but I don't make affirmations really. I do statements, like blank statements. I will, or I am, or I have become, or I have done. And then I visualize it and see myself and, and, and believe it. I, I have to believe it. And some people, they just don't have that self-esteem or that self-knowledge of self that they believe in, in what it is that, that they are affirming. So these things are very important to, to really you know, come to, to terms with and, and be able to, to really fully grasp. Let me turn on the lights. Maybe you can have a better reason to get it dark. Fine. I think we're much better here now. But yeah, you know, are great. Affirmations are great, but you got to believe it. Anything that you do, you got to believe it. You know, that's, that's my thing. So how important is forgiveness for your health? Because, and what would you say to someone that wants to forgive, pero como que no encuentra en su corazón to forgive? Forgiveness is important because it helps you release and also helps you look at things from a different perspective. Yes, the other person may have done this wrong or, you know, but who, who's to say what's good or bad, you know? Everyone's perspective on good and bad, it differs. A lot of us, yeah, we have the same moral, social, moral conduct, but, but really, you know, what are your strong convictions? You know, what is it that you believe in yourself? But forgiveness is something that you're expressing compassion for yourself. Um, forgiveness really shows that you're, you were able to go through the motions. And when you forgive someone, it doesn't uh, invalidate what you're feeling or what you've been through. It's just showing that you were able to process these things. Sometimes I can hold grudges. I Something I don't like to admit, but what I do is, and I look at myself in that perspective, why are you holding this grudge? Was it your ego that was bruised? Is it because you didn't get your way? And so I analyze, you know, why did it happen to me in the first place, this negative experience? And so I look at that negative experience and say, what is it about me that's lacking or that I didn't address that attracted this situation to me or has attracted this person to me. Because a lot of the things that happen to us are lessons to try to get, have us, you know, it's ha not happening to us, it's happening for us for whatever reason. And it's up to us to really look at the, the situation for what it is. Like for example, forgiving our parents. A lot of us hold a lot of grudges with our parents and when really the best thing is to say thank you because they did the best that they could with what they could they're human just like us they're going through stuff just like us yeah i'm 36 yeah. years old i don't have any children i couldn't imagine uh you know being a mom at 20 you know or being a mom as a teen it's very it's a difficult thing it's it's a whole life and so you got to give people um some slack you know and, and really understand their perspective, where they're coming from. So that's one thing I always say, you know, yes, forgiving our parents, maybe they were abusive or they didn't do this or that, but it's only so much that you can hold other people account, accountable for. Because maybe they went through their own abuse, their own trauma, their own life misunderstandings. And so to hold that grudge doesn't allow you to just release. And so sometimes forgiveness is so important because it, it, it shows how you can forgive yourself. And once you forgive yourself, you don't hold that guilt or shame or anger with yourself or resentment, all these different emotions that are coupled in. It's not just one emotion. It's just like an ocean of emotions being, you know, intertwined into one and you yeah. holding, holding 
onto it. So truly forgiveness is, is really important because it allows you to move on from things and not feel like you're a victim of whatever circumstances or situation. Um, and, and, and it really just holds you more accountable for what you could have done and just release people. And it doesn't mean that you'll forget about it or that you let it happen to you again, but it's just about saying, you know what, it is what it is. This is, you know, the path or lesson that I had to learn and I'm willing to move on. But forgiveness is, is key because you release those burdens, you release those emotions, you know, that stays with us. And when you, when you forgive, there's a level of releasing, whether you're crying, whether you're forgetting, whatever it is, it's an emotional release that you let yourself go of. And also the other person as well, because people can feel the energy. They can feel that energy and they can't move on. So when you don't have closure in things by just not forgiving, you still keep that resentment, that energy that is very draining, very parasitic as well. Sometimes we can be our own parasites from within. We, you know, drain our own selves from within by still thinking of oh, this one did this, this one did that, or judging others in our path because of what happened with this one. But every person, every situation, every phase of our lives is very different. Yes. And what do you think not forgiving what does not forgiving someone like holding grudges does to our body? Anger, you know, and that debilitates the, the, uh, the liver, which is essential to detoxify the whole system. And so when you hold on to a lot of anger, when you're not able to release, you're not able to speak. So your throat chakra is like blocked. You're not able to communicate effectively. You're not able to see things clearly. But more importantly, a lot of that anger resonates in the liver, sits in the liver. In traditional Chinese medicine, um, anger lives in the liver. So you see a lot of uh, cirrhosis of the liver with people. You see skin issues, eczema, psoriasis, um, so many different uh, toxicity that forms in the body and stagnancy that forms in the body. So that's where that you will see that correlation. So releasing, there's so many stages to anger. You know, there's resentment, anger, um, so many different stages that is just not just anger. There's just hate as well. And so all these emotions in your body, they will manifest, you know, just like trauma. If you are in sorrow and pain a lot, it, it, it's, it's, really resonant of a lot of trauma that has been unresolved or untalked. Um, thyroid issues as well, not releasing and talking things, speaking out a truth or speaking our truth or speaking with conviction and pride and uh, honesty. And so, so many different things, but, but anger is one of the main things that, that breeds within people you know, especially if they don't forgive because you're not, when you don't forgive or you don't practice forgiveness, that it shows that you're, most people don't forgive themselves. Sometimes we can be our hardest critic on our own selves, our hardest critic, the uh, so hard on ourselves, what could have, should have, would have been, whatever the case may be. And that breeds that self-hate and that breeds that self, you know, lack of contentment and, and always feeling, you know, entitled to things and just having this insecurity that shows. And physically, that that definitely stems from from the liver and and manifests in many different uh, type of health ailments as well. Um, when I first got introduced to the body keeps the score by my therapist, and um, 
the reason why because I gave I gave her a story that I have that to this day like the the violence in the 90s affected me so much that I don't walk through the block that I grew up in because it's just memory just come up and she mm-hmm. mentioned that and I read it so I was reading in the body keeps the score that there's certain parts of your body that keeps the trauma and I didn't realize that so I had to kind of like face that trauma mm-hmm. like by like just slowly walking by just the block but still mm-hmm. to this day like I'm not as afraid, but I, the memory, like certain spots, like the memory just keeps coming back because certain right. spots in my body holds it. And that right. was like, very interesting. Yeah, that's the subconscious. The subconscious mind holds a lot of those things. You know, like if someone may have been sexually abused, they'll have fibroids or issues, you know, menstrual issues or pain or um, you know, so many different types of manifestations in the physical body that our emotions really can can display for many different reasons, you know, um, infertility, so many, so many different types of health ailments, especially for us as women, we tend to keep a lot of that within ourselves. For men, it's a little bit more different because they're, they're more permissive to they're more practical in their ways of thinking they're very pragmatic whereas for us it's about emotions how we feel and how we feel others are feeling because we feel it we're more intuitive doesn't mean that you know diminishes them at all they have their strengths as well but for us we're a little bit more connected and and requires a little bit more of a process to forgive and to heal those things that's in our subconscious mind that some people just don't remember it really don't. And that shows up in physical health issues. Yeah. yeah, it does. And I also learned that as children, we won't remember for the certain activities that we will do that kind of like we have to go back what happened in our childhood. Exactly. I've learned that. I learned that through therapy. So let's go. I want to go back to like the like the beginning of like your journey. Like why, what made you say, like, what made you kind of like just shift gear? Cause you did mention you also changed careers and then you. Yes. Uh, I mean, I've always been into this. Like I was born knowing this. I grew up in a Jehovah witness family. So we didn't have like a lot of spiritual stuff or any of those things of candles and none of that stuff. So like, I, I never had like a role model. Like there was always talks you know, in the neighborhood of women doing this, leyendo las cartas, you know, my brother was actually predicted from a teacup, you know, leer la taza, um, which was very funny. I was like eight, nine years old. And the lady who used to drink a lot in the building, like like la loca, you know, that no one really, she le leyó la taza mi mamá in the kitchen. And I don't think anyone remembers, but I remember it so vividly. She told my mom, I was like 10, 8, 9, 10 years old. My sister was six. So we were already big. And my mom, you know, was dating and doing herself a single mom. But I remember in the kitchen, you know, you know, la borracha del Billy or whatever. And she said, You're going to have a boy and you're going to get married. And I was like, What? Like my mom here, you know, married and have a boy. And it was just, and fast forward a couple of years later, my mom went to DR, got married, and she got pregnant with my little brother, a boy. And I was just like, wow, you know, so that always resonated and stood with me. Like, how do these people know? Like, how can you use these tools like the taza, yeah. and all? And where do they get this information I think from? Every Dominican has a story like that. 
Yeah, every Dominican has to because it's miracles. These are miracles of how we communicate with, with you know, our ancestors and our spirit guides. But, you know, that was always hush-hush. That wasn't something that was ever talked about. Um, but like I said, I was always, in, I was all, all, always been a reader. Every city I've ever moved to, I always go get a library card. I like to read, always been interested. But one of my first books um, was in Buddhism. And I really learned about how detaching from things keeps you from suffering. So I followed a lot of the Buddhism aspects, um, the ego and how the ego manipulates. Um, and then I got into the early 2000s into a lot of conspiracy theories that now is looked down upon. But for me, it was an a, a eye-opening experience because I got to learn about so many different things about US government, about science, and just questioning, having an analytical thinking, yeah. that curiosity, like, oh, okay, how is this true? Like, this one did this. And, you know, so these are far-fetched things that always caught my curiosity. Um, then I met my boyfriend and we got together. He was mostly, his mom was more to the Barajas and doing things like that. Um, and then he was into the Orishas and then I got into it and and it was just like a progressive thing, but mostly from me studying and reading. And so I would pull a lot of these things from the ether, you know, reading about mythology, Greek mythology, um, Egyptian mythology was my big thing. I was very much into 15, 16 Egyptian mythology, but then I started, you know, going around a lot of the Santeros in, in Washington Heights and in the Bronx and going to Tambores and the Bembes and things like that. So I was always like in the perimeter of these things, but never in it 100% because I didn't understand what it was. Again, I didn't have a reference, you know, then yeah. come from my parents. We're always Jehovah Witness. That was the devil's work. It was just, so how it came to me, it was just so, so interesting. Like I would, you know, sneak out of my house to go to the Bimbis, to go see the Babalao. You know, at 16, 17, I, I left my house when I was 16, moved on my own. Um, always seen a babalao for all types of things and they would tell me things about my future about my present about my past past lives my mother's life you know my bloodline and they will give you like these stories like there's always these folk stories be behind the orisha stuff you know well you know that the snail was here and that the bird was here and that about that i would so there's always these folk stories to give you um, sort of a resemblance of what you are dealing with in your life. So they're called odus and signals. So a lot of those signals would tell me stories about my life and what I would be going through. Um, so that progressed for many, many years. Um, eventually the Orishas were getting very strong. They were claiming me. I needed to initiate. I needed to crown, but I was very hesitant because I wasn't too, you know, too clear what was this about. I've always been like a loner and uh, figure it out yourself. And so me to come into a tribe or community or casa was very, you know, I was very apprehensive of it because there were certain things that I didn't like that I didn't, you know, go with, you know, people writing lists of enemies down. And I'm like, but what is it about you that you're attracting all these enemies or doing bad things to people or to get an outcome? I, there were just so many things that I didn't resonate with, but even then it, it still didn't keep me away from it. I always kept curious because I knew within all of that mess and, 
and corruption that was going on, there was something in it for me that was going to help me develop into the person I am today. So I, I had many great babalaos and many not so great santeros that I, you know, really didn't mix with. It was mostly money-based or I was a client or, you know, this is happening to you. You got to pay this. Whereas I wanted to learn. I wanted to be part of this. I wanted it to be something that resonated with me and not just me be a follower. So um, in 2016, I finally initiated um, but before then, I really needed to, to build my ancestors and spent many, many years, you know, building my ancestors, praying to them and trying to find out things of my life. So it's a, it's a very long convoluted story, but nonetheless, a very beautiful one. For sure. You said something interesting that you were building your ancestors. If someone that is going through like like they they they're probably they want to get into like that spirituality like but spirituality is basically like yourself but if they really want to get into that that path and they want to connect to their ancestors how do they do that well you know the thing is that a lot of people now want to get initiated they want to be part of a group they want to have a title and in 2003 I had started my Mesa Blanca, which was an Amisa Espiritual that I had, where they figured out my Cuadro Espiritual, which is, you know, I work with different types of entities and deities and spirit guides that were born with me to help me get to my life's path. Um, and, but before that, you know, you, you, before you initiate into anything, become part of anything, you have to know your foundation. Yeah. Where you come from? What's your legacy? What is your heritage? You know, because a lot of the people forget when, especially in the Orisha community, that antes de, del santo viene el muerto. Del, 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 del santo que nace el muerto. Without yeah. you yeah. understanding your spiritual framework, who your ancestors are, your spirit guides. Yeah. The Orishas are null and void, if you will, with all due respect, but they, 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 they're not going to be coming into no foundation because they, you can't progress with the Orishas because they're energy fields, they're portals. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the Santeros nowadays, they just want to rush, initiate you, get it in without taking time to develop and build your ancestors. And how do you do that? You ask questions. You know, I spent some time asking my grandmother for names of my, uh, you know, ancestors, her grandparents, her parents her sisters, uncles, you know, and just asking the elders in the community because sometimes those people are forgotten. Yeah. And they're guarded. Oh, there's Tia Elsa, Etol, or whatever. I don't like talking to her. But really, it's about getting to know these people. Yeah. So I, even though she knew what I was up to, and she was Jehovah's Witness, she didn't believe any of these things, you know, she gave me names. So I wrote them down. And in my table, I had one cup of water, a candle, flowers, and a table set up for them in a, in a bedroom, in a house that I was renting. So I was living with a whole bunch of strangers and me in this little room, but I had it by a window and I would take that list of names and pray to them and just pray to them. In the beginning, I didn't even have names. I was just praying and, and you know, just discussing that I wanted peace and direction in my life because I moved out at so young. My mom was a foster parent, many different kids in the house, just a lot going on, you know, being a single parent, just so much going on, me growing up, a teenager, rebellious, 
wanting to be on my own. So I always had that drive to be independent, to be on my own and just to find answers for myself. So I would just pray at that altar at the direction of the Babalao told me, you know, the Mesa Blanca and the Spiritistas would tell me this works for you. This will work for you. Do it. And at that time, you know, you're young, you don't know what it's about, you know, yeah. like you're just talking to a cup. Yeah. But I promised that I would be able to, to really release a lot of emotions that I've had, to be able to release a lot of the pains that I've had, of questions that I've had, and wondering, you know, what, what was it that I wanted to, to really make of myself? And just asking God, like, what is my purpose here? What, what is this for? Like, what is this whole lifetime? Oh my God. Hey. What is, what is all pray and pray and then eventually got the names, do the, the anacardic prayers, the Psalms prayer, and just keep praying and praying 20 years of praying at a cup of altar and, you know, and, and really talking about what are the, the strengths and the wisdom that I need to become a good woman to be protected, you know, so many things happening in society, protection, direction, understanding, clarity, forgiveness, so many things that those ancestors were forgotten. We, their our ancestors were our human, just like us. They know what the human plight is, what the human suffering is. So helping them elevate and giving them forgiveness and understanding and wanting to know of myself, just led me to, to build them, to really have them by my side. And I would go and, you know, if I was sad, go to them. If I was angry, go to them. If I was celebrating something, go to them and talk, just someone to talk to that I can confide in, that wouldn't give me their judgment, that wouldn't give yeah. me their opinions, that, you know, if they did have judgment or opinions, it would be transmitted to me in my mind because I would sit there and have these dialogues with myself, these conversations with myself, things that I weren't too proud of, things that I did wrong that I should have done. And that's how you start building your intuition because you start connecting with yourself. And then you start hearing the voices and not just voices, oh, I'm crazy, different types of energy, vibrations talking to you that there you're able to decipher it on your own. So you can go to many different brujos and brujas do so many rituals, but when you don't do the basics of just dialoguing with yourself one-on-one, -on -one, you, you're gonna miss the point. You're gonna be taken advantage of by charlatans because they see your strength and they, know, and they smell the weakness. So they know, they know how to manipulate. Whereas when you know who you are, you know what talks to you, you know what you have, no one can tell you any different. And it's not about arrogance or being defensive. It's just about knowing who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, someone else is going to know about you. Whether it be marketers, whether it be the media, whether it be social media, all these people are going to tell you who you are. But if you don't know who you are and you tell yourself who you are, then you're never going to make it anywhere. So that's how it started for me, really working with, with the advice that I was giving. Because a lot of people go to these readers and these spiritualists but they don't take heed to the advice. You know, they may say, oh, you have an Egyptian goddess that works with you. But then they want like, okay, how does she work? But that's that's just an advice, a guide for you. So the Egyptian goddess works for me. Okay, how do, okay, Isis, uh, Ra, how do they work? Anubis, what are they for? Like, for example, with me, with the Hitanas, 
I was able to develop them because in Amisa, they were told that Hitanas are always with you. And then I said, okay, what does the Hitanas do? The Hitanas read the cards, the Hitanas do remedies, they do perfumes, they do clairvoyancy. So I, over time, set up an altar for the Hitanas and work with them, did candles, did baths, did readings for people, you know, that that I knew with friends and would read for myself and really get into the modalities of what they did. So there's so, such a vast um, way of developing your spirituality and connecting with your ancestors by just simply input output. What you put in is what you get out. But a lot of people don't dedicate the time because it's not, it's not a pretty job. It's not pretty when you're sitting and crying and coming to the truth of your own shadows of the things you're not proud of the things that you're still working through, the traumas, so many things that's worked at the altar that people miss the point because they want to be part of something, a drumming, or they want to wear a costume, or they want to go to a glitter. Or the glitter, when it really is not that. It's just you and your robe, you know, and just sitting there starting off the day, having a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, and just dialoguing and talking. And a lot of people see, oh, well, that's crazy. Or, but how is that associated to devil's work when what you're trying to do is develop yourself? You know, you're trying to make yourself a better person, not only for yourself, but for society as a whole, you know, because if I know who I am and what my gifts are, which is herbology, holistic medicine, um, uh, not officially counseling, but talking with people, that those are my gifts. I talk with people. I can comfort them. I can nurture them. I can, um, give them confidence, help them find their way. There's so many gifts that I have, that I know I have, that is not only beneficial for me, but for society as a whole. And that's why you need to know who you are and what your purpose is. We all came here for a purpose. If you know how to do hair, do hair, do it real good. If you are a housekeeper and that's what you put clean and clean good, you know, that do everything that you're good at, whatever to whatever capacity, do it at a hundred percent and feel it and do it yeah. with pride, you know, do it with pride. That's, that's an important thing. And so basically it's kind of like knowing yourself, knowing who you are, because I feel that nowadays, como que, I feel like first of all, like spirituality has been so commercialized that people are missing the point of it. Like I've been spiritual most of my life since my teens. So I, I was able to like practice, like knowing who my, who I am, face my shadow work before all this. So now I could really tell who's being a phony and who's being real. And can you tell who's being phony and who's being real? Absolutely. Cause you got to look at their lives. You got to look at the person's life. How are they living? Do they look healthy? Yeah. You know, do they have fruitful relationships? You know, are they in abundance? Are they successful? You know, how do you feel when you hear them speak? You got to know the, you, you, the person is the example because of how they live. And so how you tell someone is fake or phony is how you feel. If your life isn't progressing and your work, like I worked with many Santeros and Santeras that, you know, I was paying them to do a ritual, but my life was out of control. Like I was taking 10 steps forward, you know, make 10 steps, you know, forward and then one back me atrasaba increíblemente oh, wow. and you could see their lives that they were sick or that they were having law issues or that they were have dealing with so many low level stuff that was just I, I just didn't make sense to me so I know when someone is fake because of their quality of life how's their relationship 
with their parents? How's the relationship with their brothers and sisters? How's the relationship with their hijados, you know, their padrinos or madrinas? You know, what is, just what is their life and what do they stand for? And you can tell that, you know, you know, not everyone has to have a big mansion or a house, but how do they live, you know? How are they taking care of their community? How are they showing up for the community? You know, so there's so many different ways that you can tell, but it's mostly the progression of your life. But the thing is, a lot of people put their life on the hands of others. I don't, I'm not dependent on anyone. I love my godparents. They're amazing teachers, but I'm not depend, codependent on them to do anything with my spiritual development. Yep. If, if there's something that I, yeah, I have respect for them and absolutely, but if there's something that interests me, that's because spirit inspired me to do so. You know, if something is for me and I feel it, I, I go with it. And yes, I get the advice, you know, this is the right way to go. But nine times out of 10, spirit in the reading will tell me you're going in the right direction. But a lot of people depend on, oh, well, how do I like this candle? Well, light it. You know, how would you know if you don't light it? Oh, what, how long is this going to take? You know, or, and then they're so logical with it, you know? And yes, you have to have logic and common sense, but it really is about that emotional attachment, that rapport that you build with that, with what it is you're working through. But a lot of people leave it for these other charlatans and fake people to do the work for them. Light this candle for me, do this ritual, it's going to work because you know, Jessica has the good juju. No, you have it. I always tell people, we're all psychic. You know, if you, the word psychic comes from psyche. If you have a mind, a psyche, then you're psychic. You can, you can feel things. You, you can read, you know, if there's anything in a book, I share it because that's where I got it from. But just because I'm sharing it doesn't take anything away from me because my experience from whatever ritual in that book could be so different for you. What works for you may not work for me. What works for me may not work for you. So many different things. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, that's why I always tell yeah. people. Yeah. Everyone has a different way of doing things. But, but you know, just to get back to the, the question as how do you know if someone's real or fake is just look at their life. Yeah. You know, look at their life, how they carry themselves and how they embody whatever it is that they say that they do or, or represent. I agree, and and I could um, I could speak on the um. The, there was a time in my life that I used to go to like tarot readers, and all that just to find out stuff on my life because my life was a mess. But like I, I remember like a few days ago, I started looking back to it. I'm just like all those readings that I did to those people. I was just wasting time and money because I was just all fucked up, and I could have just it was just getting back to myself. So yeah, it is true, and it's like what I'm going through right like right now. Like right now, it's kind of like trusting the process just trust the process right. just wait for it trust the process so i think that that's where a lot of us get desperate because we can't we don't trust the process right and not only that that we're looking for answers that's already within us you know and and yes these readers are good i'm not saying that they're charlatans and that people are fake but sometimes you know they just to get rid of it will tell you what you want to hear um, but there are real readers out there that really tell you the truth, but it's up to us how we process that. And a lot of us are not in the space to really process all that information. You know, a lot of things, oh, we can say, oh, well, you're this goddess, but what does that mean? Some people could be caught up in the whole glitz and glam of it, but, you know, this is not a pretty job. This is very ugly. This is very hard work. This is, I don't know where, how it came up to be so pretty and 
all this sage and stuff and everyone wants to do it because it's a lot of work to hear people's pain yeah and pain and suffering and then dealing with the frustration that they're just not getting it or that they're procrastinating or they're just lazy or they just don't want to do it because it takes work it takes a lot of work yeah. and, and to be spiritual is something that is sacred you do it to help people to elevate yourself but but more importantly, not to, oh, well, do this, come follow me is and be part of something is you being the example and people gravitating toward that naturally. But, you know, the, the, some people are just aren't ready for the information. And so that's why you see them jumping a lot from different spiritual reader to spiritual reader because they're looking to hear what they want to hear. And over time, you start noticing is the same message over and over you know, and people kind of don't grasp like, hello, you order for you to get to the next step. You got to first finish this in order for you then to see the future. Yeah. The future is only made mm -hmm. present. That's the only way you'll get to the future. Yeah. Yeah. I was like that at that time. I, I didn't want to hear the message. Like I just didn't want to hear, I want to hear what I want to hear and they weren't giving it to me. And if they were, they was just like not being honest. So exactly. I think it happens to a lot of us, but you mentioned like sage, and like altars and I feel that has been so commercialized now that it sometimes bothers me um yeah. just because I grew up I grew up with altars like I look I, when I was 14 my mom my mom taught me how to build up and like look pon tu vela tu agua tu, tu vaso de agua y tu santo ahí rezar ahí that's yeah. how that's how I did it so it was never like it was never like this like commercialized glitz and glamour thing and sage like we made our own sage and stuff right like that. but now right. it's like people i feel like people are using those tools but for like the wrong reason well not only that that you know and it's great that the information is out there but it, it doesn't matter what because i always tell people yeah i have it they always tell me yeah i have an altar but what are you doing with it how often do you work with your altar what what miracles have you seen at your altar what benefits have you gotten from your altar so it's so simple for people to say yeah i have an altar to put a bunch of trinkets on it but an altar is a workspace you know it's it's something for you to work through to for you to get a specific outcome yeah. and you know, if you have an ancestor altar the outcome is to elevate your spirit guides and for you to become a much more elevated place um uh you know a shrine is a little bit more different because it's a little bit more concentrated more permanent but altars really has become like a joke really where people just put things on it and look at these things when really is a workspace is where you go as a portal yeah where you go to to different aspects of yourself but also as the word implies you alter your consciousness you're altering your consciousness you're altering your persona who you are how do you identify yourself and also come to terms with who you truly are? But people don't do work at the altar. They just have a space to say that they have an altar. But they have no idea, you know, of the real work that it takes to work at an altar. Visualization, yeah. meditation, prayers, releasing, working rituals, you know. Um, there's so many different components of, of what an altar is about that people have kind of lost the picture of it. And I think, you know, that's going to phase down a little bit because it's becoming so, like you said, commercialized. And, and really a lot of these things, you know, were community-based. A lot of these things weren't charged. Yeah, there's um, a derecho, you know, because of course there's a lot of people that have worked through this, that have invested a lot in this. So it's okay, but I'm not going to be paying you not getting results. I want to pay 
for whatever it is, but get some sort of result. I don't, I don't mind paying. I don't mind, you know, having someone charge me for the time and their expertise, but show me the money, like show me, you know, the results that I'm looking for by not just doing it for me, but giving me the tools and the methods, how to do it, you know, because a lot of people also get caught up on that. Oh, well, the altar will do it for me. No, you have to do the work. You know? Yeah, you, you have to. Work looks like this, journaling, writing, affirming, believing, um, you know, clearing out your temple, detoxing, clarifying, talking things out. There's so many different ways to build your spirituality and altar. And I think that's just, you know, people just put it there to put crystals. Like crystals are actual tools, you know. These are not just things that look pretty and sparkle. These are real transformative, energizing things that are tools to use, just like money is, you know, you use it for an exchange of something. When you're working with a crystal, you are working, programming it with something that's already within you, but you need something tangible. Like I have here, this, um, this citrine, it, its energy is already inside of me. I just need something to touch, see, and feel so I can program myself to say it's real. The energy of citrine, it's real, but all that stuff is already within us. Confidence, um, abundance, prosperity, the same thing that this crystal exudes, it's already within us, but we just need a tool to really have that three-dimensional feel and connection with it to tell our subconscious mind that it's real and let it bypass the consciousness, which is always, you know, looking at things, is real, is it not, you know, and, and let it communicate with the subconscious mind. And then that is how you get the energy of whatever crystal or whatever purpose that you have the altar for. Yes, very, yeah. you made that very clear. And yeah, I just, I just, it's just weird, like people just commercializing and just using for the wrong things. And then one thing that I noticed that, especially in the hood, because I'm from I'm from Dykeman, but I've seen mm -hmm. a decline in botanicas, mm -hmm. like in the Heights, Dykeman, and the Bronx. And but back then, when I was younger, I, yeah, there was a whole bunch of it, but now it's like a decline, a decline. Yes. Yes. And we need yes. those centers. Those centers are part of a community. They're, those are cultures. We, we do. But, you know, I think what's happening now is that those tools were used by, by experts. You know, you don't go, you go to the Botanica and you know what you need, you get it for what you need. And now people are just like, well, you do it for me. Let the priestess do it for me. Whereas back then, you know, the Brujo Bruja will give you a recommendation. It's like you go to a doctor. They give you a prescription. Well, here, this is what's going on with you. Here's your prescription. Get this, get that. But a lot of the things that are out there, you can find it in nature. You can find it at your local supermarket. You can eat and make it yourself. You know, there's so many different ways of communicating with these tools and working with these tools. But with the advent of social media and things being online, now you see more botanicas online, which is much more lucrative. You don't have overhead paying rent in a place um, you don't have to, you know, deal with so much different bills and things that everything is online, which is much more accessible. So you, you're seeing a lot more online, but there's still that missing element of teacher or guidance. Yeah. I always tell people I don't have students, I have teachers. My job and my duty is to teach you so you can teach others by just living yourself. It's not that you're going to right away and get, you know, a botanica or a blog and you're already this bruja. It's by you embodying it yourself, you know, and there's so many different elements in the spiritual community, not just people who read 
or wear costumes. It's the drummers, the ones that do the beatings, the jewelry. There's the butchers, those that really that help with the sacrificing of the animals. There's the herbalists. There's so many, the dancers, the, the quilters, the ones that make the clothes. There's so many different components of spirituality that is not just the easy, oh, I'm going to read you because I, I have intuitive power. We all do, you know? We yeah. all do. If we've really applied ourselves, we could all read other people, body language, um, uh, feeling your own gut intuition, you're feeling yourself. There's so many different ways that it's just not, not as so cut and dry or linear as society or social media has made it seem lately. Yes, I agree with that. So just to wrap it up, I'm going to ask you a few, a few questions. What is community to you? Community is you being you and loving yourself you so that way you can love others because you know you see a lot of people save the children save the children but what children you know there's children two doors down from me next door there's children in the other side here there's children right in our families so it's so easy to say save the children and be community-based when we neglect those that are near us, you know, those that are close to us. It's so blanket to say the children, but what children? Children in California, children in Florida, you know, a children of your family. So what community means to me is you being the pillar for your own self. Like they say, you can't pour from an empty cup. If you haven't nope. been able to, to love yourself or practice forgiveness, and you can't do that for the community because the community involves so many different people from yeah. all walks yeah. of life. And so you have to have an element of unconditional love that you still love people regardless of who, what they are, what they choose or what they don't choose. Just like now with the whole vaccine or oh, your vaccine and your anti-vaccine that you're this and you're that. How is that community? You know, how is that community? Community is by really bringing people together. Oh, maybe you should drink some more water or maybe you should try this mineral or maybe you should try this, you know, but not judging all because you took the vaccine, you're no good or you're not being good for the community. No, it's not. It's not about that. It's about you being the example. So what community means to me really is, is being one in the same with the people that you're trying to help. You know, not being hypocritical about it and making it so broad of the community. What is my community? You are my community. You know, the people that interact with online is my community because I have a responsibility to show up for them. But I also have a responsibility to myself to show up in truth, integrity, and, and true definition of who I am. So that way other people can gravitate toward that and use me as an example that, oh, if I did it, then Jessica did it, then I can do it too. So that's what community really is about, is about really healing yourself so that way that can be extended to everyone else around you. And what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for understanding. I'm grateful for so many things. I'm just grateful for for social media, actually, to help me interact with a lot of people, you know, a lot of people look at social media as, oh, is this place superficial, but it's been so transformative and impactful, because I don't think I would have been able to reach so many people. And by reaching so many people, I've come to my own realization of who I am, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. So when I go on social media, I'm, I'm so inspired. And I'm always want to give information because 
it's like exciting. Like this worked for me. It can work for you. Like look, look how great this, this can be. It's like, you know, I find a good discount and people are like, where'd you get them? Oh yeah. Get it over here. You know, like get in on it, you know, it's like get, get go with the vibe of what's going on and really feel it. But you know, not a lot of people feel like that. They aren't excited depending on where they are in their life. But I'm just grateful for the community that I have for my health to be able to be healthy enough to be clear minded to be, you know, just a compassionate person and loving person. I love people, even though I have a side of me that is kind of antisocial or that I'm very, but at the same time, I, I do love people, but I, at their space, you know, and, and that's like an inside joke with me because I'm like kind of social, but not social, but it's because I feel so much of people. And at times I can walk into a room and read the whole room. I, I know who's feeling this, or who doesn't like this, or who's going through this. And so it's it's very difficult to, to manage that. It's a yeah. gift and a curse at the same time, but I'm grateful for it because I've been able to really forge a lot of great relationships with people that I never thought I would. And the way the community pours into me is, is, is incredible. It fortifies me, it really gives me purpose. And that's what truly I'm grateful for, to have a purpose in this world and know what my purpose is and to be able to extend that to other people. I mean, that's the most grateful thing that I could be, you know, grateful for in my life today. And being grateful is good for your health. Absolutely. Oh, your hormones and your organs, they work properly when you're grateful. Yes, you don't lack. You don't lack in anything because yeah. you're grateful. You're, you're grateful for what you have. I always say in my prayers, I'm grateful for what I have what I don't have, what's for me. Cause you know, there's certain things that we may, may want for ourselves, but it's not for us and that's okay. And, and, and having that recognition and that acknowledgement is not, you know, I, I always say perdiendo se gana a veces. Sometimes losing some things is you, you win, you end up winning. So gratitude is a, is a great, great feeling because you feel part of something and you feel like you're in the, in the right direction. What would you say to your 20 year old self? I don't, I don't know. Cause I, oh, I've always been, so, I'm a very structured person in my mind and my emotions. Yeah. Um, what I would say to my 20 year old self, just keep doing, you know, don't question things. Uh, Cause I would always question like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I so into this? Why am I writing this blog? Like, why do I like natural things? Like what? And now I understand why. Cause I, there's people that are in need of help of health, uh, you know, moral support, uh, someone to, to hear them out. And so that that's just truly what, what that is for me. So it's such a great thing to, to have so many resources and to be able to share that with people, you know, that's important. And the last question, what is the message you want that you want, that you want to send out to, let's just narrow it down to your community. To believe in yourself and know who you are, you know, and, and practice forgiveness. When you know who you are and you believe in yourself, that's contagious. People feel that and people want that. And, and it's such a great feeling to, to feel the fear, but do it anyway. Yeah. To, yeah. to, and to know that one of my favorite quotes from Ray Gray, that she's one of my, my great friends and people that I know is time passes anyway, do it do it anyway. 
don't question it. If it's something that is inspiring you, that you want to do it, even if no one around you is doing it, you have no point of reference, no mentors, no role models, you become that for yourself, you know, and really embody what it is that you're learning. Immerse yourself in it, learn it, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Question yourself, question the people around you, question your motives, your purpose. There's nothing wrong with questioning. It doesn't mean you're doubting it. It just means that you're interacting with it more, that you're building more of a foundation yeah. of what it is yeah. you want to become. And believe, belief is such a great thing to believe in yourself because not only believing, but knowing. It's about knowing, you know, once you can believe something, believe it, but when you know it is because you experienced it and no one can talk you out of it because you know it for yourself. There's nothing to argue. There's nothing to debate. There's nothing to question. You know it without the shadow of a doubt and, and knowing is the most important thing. So when you learn something, apply it and know it and then be able to then pass it forward to to the community and to the people in the future generations as well. So Jessica, where can't everybody find you and speak about everything? Well, you can find me at www.hellnotesforbeauty.com, also at hellnotesforbeauty on Instagram and Facebook as well, but mostly on Instagram. I do tarot readings. I do misas espirituales, um, spiritual seances. I'm also doing mentorships as well. Um, just to help you connect a little bit more with your spiritual gifts and, and so forth. But yeah, there's a, a little bit of everything that, that I share at Hell Notes for Beauty. And then you also are starting a new company or you already did start a new company. Alma Beja, yes, which is, um, I first was thinking of just doing honey and things like that. But now I kind of converted that into my holistic wellness. Um, brand um, that I'll be in 2022, hopefully officially. Right now, this whole year, I'm a student taking on volunteers and working with the community and networking with other uh, mental health um, therapists, counselors, also other doctors, alternative doctors, acupuncturists, herbalists. And so looking to build a network and a community of people, like-minded people to help and support because it, this is something that can be done on its own. You know, I need the help of community of, of other, you know, people who are also doing the same things, but in different modalities and come together because to heal the community, you need a community, a strong community, uh, a very good people who are really out here to, to enrich and build themselves, but also the community as well. So that's very important. Thank you, Jessica, for saying yes to this. Thank, Thank you. you. I, I really Thank enjoyed you for it. having me. You know a lot, like. You're very knowledgeable about your craft, you. what you're doing. Thank People you. need you. People need to Thank listen you. to to you more, and Thank just because you. you have a lot to teach them. The community, especially the community of colors, they need that right now. Yes, yes. But thank you for giving me the platform and for having this platform where you feature a lot of us who are really, you know, have been finding our voice, but it's good to really talk and interact yeah. with people. So I really am appreciative of you giving me this platform and, you know, and considering me to be a part of this and to, to be able to speak it out into the world. So thank you for what you're doing, because this is great. You get a, a real much more intimate feel of your community. Yeah. I love how you can give the stories of what your experiences and especially being a, a city girl in New York City and with so much heritage mm -hmm. and so much 
on the way you give those storylines always brings back a lot of good memories. And so I think with these dialogues that you're having with people one-on-one -on -one gets a little bit more, even more intimate of who these people are, what they're showcasing and what they're bringing to the community and to the world as a whole as well. Yes, yes, that's like my purpose. I'm slowly finding it, but I'll get there. But thank you so yeah. much for saying yes to this. Thank you so much for having me again. Peace and blessings and progress always to you. And, and I appreciate the support always. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.